Hello and welcome to This is the Greatest Song I've Ever Heard in My Entire Life. I'm Scott Interante and joining me as always, Catherine Moore. Catherine, how's it going? Hi, Scott. It's going pretty good. How's it going with you? You know, just living life. Uh, excited for our episode today. It's very Wisconsin themed. This is all you. <laughs> yeah, I was really excited to have somebody, fellow Wisconsinite, join us on the podcast so we could geek out about what little Wisconsin music scene there is. Now, there's a good one. <laughs> yeah, Taylor Nicole of Goths Consent. Very fun word to say, Goths Consent. Yeah, I feel like both of us kind of discovered her on TikTok around the same time in like 2021. Yeah. And we're like, oh, she'd be fun to have on the podcast eventually. So, we're really happy we got to be able to do this and talk about spooky season and obviously her pick and all that good stuff. Yeah, I get a lot of Wisconsin content on my For You page because of you. Yeah, you and know, I like get it. all of the New York City content ever, so it's it's reciprocal. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, but before we get into the interview with Taylor, uh, Catherine, I know the Grammy nominations were just announced. Very yeah. exciting. What do you think? Yeah, we were talking about a little bit offline and... I mean, not too many surprises, I would say. I'm really hopeful that SZA will take home some of the big prizes because I feel like SOS was really yeah. my record, or not my record, but my favorite of Albums of the Year nominees and some of the other categories. Did you have any like initial reactions to it? Yeah, I mean, it's always weird, the Grammys, because there's just so much music that comes out right. every year. And so you sort of have to take the nominations as just like, oh, okay, that's what we're That's what we're focused with, on. You know? yeah. yeah, that's what we're focused on. And it's so much because of like who gets to vote and the voting period. And I know there's so much like politicking and trading behind the scenes yeah. of like, I'll vote for you if you vote for me, that kind of thing. So right. it, it just sort of is what it is. I mean, I think there's a lot of great stuff on here. I love the Janelle Monet record, and yes. I, I'm glad that that got nominated for Album of the Year. The other big thing is Barbie is all over this place. Barbie's all over this place. I would be really happy if Billie Eilish took the Grammys in some of those categories, because I think that was just such a good zeitgeisty moment like we yeah. talked about on the podcast that we were on. Yeah, Soundtrack Your Life, plug... Uh, go check out the episode with Catherine and I talking about the Barbie yeah. soundtrack. It is uh, going to sweep the Grammys, possibly. The other big one we have to talk about really quick is producer Nam of Daniel Nigro, who we're big oh, fans yes. of Dan Nigro. Not only does he work with Olivia and produce all of her music, I believe, but also Friend of the Pod, Chapel Roan, <laughs> and Caroline yeah. Polachek, and so many other artists that we're fans of. Specifically, the song When I Needed You by Carly Rae Jepsen. That was a Dan Negro production. So he's been overdue for mm. this nomination. And I think he should also take the award. I think he should come on the podcast. Uh, yeah, I, that too. That goes without saying, maybe, but <laughs> that would be so fun. Yeah. And then the last thing that I'll mention is that my my boss, Billy Stein, he produced the cast recording for Shucked, the musical about corn, and that is nominated for a Woo! Grammy up against some other uh, big ones, Kimberly Kimbo, Parade, Sweeney Todd. So, but hopefully- Does uh, he have any Grammys? Know, that might go through. He does. He he produced the beautiful, the Carol King mm. musical album, the cast recording for that, and that also won the so Grammy. So he's probably so, like, what, know, three we'll awards see. away from an EGOT? That's pretty cool. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. A couple of big ones, but yeah. <laughs> 
But outside of the Grammys, I know obviously we like to talk about what our listeners have been yes. listening to. What, uh, what's been on the docket lately? So um, a really good pick by Anthony, kind of a throwback at this point, but Want Want by Maggie Rogers, one of her singles yeah. from her most recent record. She's been teasing some new music as well coming out next year. So um, psyched yeah. for that whenever that happens. She played a new song when we saw her at All Things Go, and it was Ooh. really good. So. Oh, I'm excited. She's just such a cool musician. Um, yeah. Jerome is awesome, has a lot of recommendations for us. One of the ones that I was kind of surprised by, but uh, intrigued was Be My Lover by LaVouche. And that's just such a fun, fun song. <laughs> yes. So I was jamming out to that when he suggested that the other that day. That got stuck in my head. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Love that one. Angela has been listening to Now That We Don't Talk, parentheses, Taylor's version, parentheses from the vault. Um, and we love her for that. And Scott Moriarty has been listening to Deep in the Night by Future Islands. I know Future Islands mostly as those yeah. people who kind of dance a little funky. That's them, right? They like have interesting yeah. dance styles. Yeah, we ate breakfast next to them once at a music festival when I was touring with Skylar Spence. We didn't really talk that much, but <laughs> we were at the same table. So wow, what a what a story that is. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> um, but please, if you want to hear your name and song get shouted out, you know, keep in touch with us. We're on Instagram every Friday posting our favorite songs of the week, inviting you to post yours that we share on there and on here. So please get in touch with us. Great song pod, GR number eight song pod on social media. But I think it is time for us to move over to the interview. Taylor Nicole of Goths Constant on TikTok, on Instagram, making cool stuff about paranormal things in Wisconsin and music stuff and a lot of other things. So uh, let's get right into it. Taylor, thank you so much for joining us. Yeah, of course. Thank you guys for having me. Yeah, I'm very excited to talk about music and Wisconsin and maybe ghosts. Um, but maybe we can start by just having you tell us a little bit about what you do on your platform and a little about yourself. Yeah, so I am a Midwest content creator as well as a paranormal content creator. Uh, this all came about at the start of the pandemic, actually. I was bartending and then I was unemployed for a little bit because of said pandemic. And I just needed a way to pass time, and I'd been studying ghost stories since I was a kid. My mom and I both have a fascination behind them, so I thought, why not share so many of these Wisconsin ghost stories I know, and people got really, really into it, and then it kind of blew up on TikTok, and now I've expanded that into more beyond paranormal, more like Midwest culture in general, and people are really enjoying it, so I'm, I'm really fortunate for that. Yeah, there's some uh, there's some creepy shit in Wisconsin. Oh my gosh, so much! It's it's I consume all sorts of paranormal content, and it's baffling to me how little is focused on Wisconsin. Like, there's so much here, so I could go on and on about that. And also, like, not to mention all the serial killers that are yeah. you know from Wisconsin. It's just like it's a you don't really think about that when you think about Wisconsin. And so I'm I'm glad you're shedding some light on that. <laughs> I thought it'd be fun too. I mean, I feel like when people think about Wisconsin, we get written off as 
almost kind of a boring state. It's like we've got beer, cheese, and the Packers. So like, it's fun giving a, a kind of a different reputation to Wisconsin and shedding light on its history and, and all the spooky stories behind it. So yeah, I know you do some social media for a venue and get to interact with some local bands and folks that are touring a bunch. So how does what you do interact with the music scene in Wisconsin? Can you tell us a little bit more about that? Yeah, so I'm, I always say I'm based in both Green Bay and Milwaukee. My partner actually runs a really prominent house venue. And beyond that, him and I both work for X-Ray Arcade, which is in Cudahy. And so he brings in the acts and then I just get to post about them and hype them up online and attend all these concerts. Once again, like hyping them up and making everyone more aware of just how cool and how underrated the Wisconsin music scene is. Yeah, I mean, obviously Catherine is from Wisconsin and lives there. I, on the other hand, I'm in New York. I'm in my little bubble. I know nothing about Wisconsin. What should I know about the Wisconsin music scene, you know, past and present? Okay, I can give a current take on it. I'm really, really into hardcore music, and I feel like Wisconsin right now has one of the strongest hardcore scenes it's ever had, and it feels to me very grassroots. Like It's so many friends of mine just starting bands, getting going, playing shows, and and just kind of doing their thing and having a blast with it. I think that's the, the most important thing about it is that they're doing it to have fun and it shows mm -hmm. because every show is just like an absolute party, even though it's some of the scariest music most people have ever heard. <laughs> and it's just a blast and it's awesome to see them thriving. Nice. Yeah, I feel like for DIY and grassroots kind of music, you have to find your community and people that will come out to shows regularly and that sort of thing. And we've had that in the Midwest before and like Minneapolis, there's like a really amazing hip hop and rap scene or especially like 10 years ago or so too that was huge and so they really like found their audience there and I feel like you have to find those people that keep coming to shows and keep supporting and so that's really cool I think that's that's a great type of music to kind of come up and do grassroots stuff like that absolutely we have a really really cool indie scene too that I'm also involved in there are just some phenomenal like younger indie DIY bands that are coming up and I'm just so stoked to see everything they do with what they've got because they're they're just killing it too like I could gush about the Wisconsin and in particular the Milwaukee music scene for just probably hours, but I know we don't have the time for that. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I would love to go back, you know, to the beginning and hear more about your relationship to music growing up. Was there something in particular that made you first fall in love with music? Oh, yeah. Okay. So the quick answer is my brothers. I have two older brothers that mm -hmm. were really into punk music. And then my parents too, like my parents were into classic rock and my dad was really into Johnny Cash and um, a lot of the really traditional country music. So I have a wide scope of music I've always been into, but my brother's getting me hooked on punk early was was huge. Yeah. And then um, 
my cousin actually got me on MySpace at probably too young of an age. But (laughs) that is what really started shaping my taste in alternative music because I started finding out about bands like uh, Mayday Parade and Go Radio and really started getting into my favorite band of all time, which is Jimmy Eat World. And that was just all through the exposure to MySpace and like watching lyric videos on YouTube. So I accredit my family to all of it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, MySpace is like a kind of an underrated music exploration and discovery platform. Oh, yeah. It became a really, really good place to discover bands. And I know I did a lot of music exploration on that site, too. It's like very underrated. (laughs) Yeah, there's actually a book that came out recently, I believe, called Top 8, How MySpace Changed Music um, by Michael Tedder. I haven't read it yet. I'm sure it's great. Michael, please (laughs) come on the show. Uh, But yeah, I think it is all about that phenomenon of like how important MySpace was in that era of music promotion. to check that out yeah no myspace music is like my jam i still like a lot of people consider it guilty pleasures but i'm still into like what never shout never released on myspace and um honestly i was super into like broken side and like the crunk core music and that might be a guilty pleasure now but like that all (laughs) came from myspace it's so good yeah so good (laughs) What are some of your favorite shows that you've seen, I, I guess, in Wisconsin? I don't know if you've traveled outside of Wisconsin for shows, but in Wisconsin particularly, like what sorts of venues and concerts have been your favorite? Oh, boy, venues and concerts. Some of my favorite shows, I mean, I'll talk about the house shows I've been to in my boyfriend's basement. There are two bands in particular I think of right away that were just crazy shows to me. Um, the band Arm's Length, they're from Canada. They did... Uh, one of their first like headlining shows in our basement and the energy was just absolutely unmatched. It's very, very cool. And then um, Heart Attack Man, another really, really great like pop punk band. Uh, As far as out of state, kind of going back into the hardcore realm, Delm Records out of Springfield, Illinois, Mm. I feel like is this incredibly underrated venue right now that is just on the up and up and they keep on booking just, just, insane shows and i'm very very stoked for them because they too i mean springfield isn't a place you'd necessarily put on the map for crazy shows and it's just a bunch of young kids working hard to bring that scene to them and it's very very admirable that's awesome yeah i would not expect that springfield to come out of your mouth <laughs> so cool. oh i have i have one more and i'm so sorry i have to include this i believe it's called dirty dungarees out of columbus ohio they are a laundromat venue, a laundromat DIY venue. And I witnessed one of the craziest like hardcore punk shows I've ever seen in my life there. To the point there were people crowd surfing, people were picking up like tiles out of the ceiling. <laughs> Everyone was still somehow safe though. And locals were still doing their laundry like feet away. It was, it's madness. <laughs> no way. <laughs> wow. That, that's amazing that it was still open for the public to do laundry. It's just, it's an absolute anomaly, but uh, I'm not super familiar with uh, the Columbus music scene, but it's once again, just a place where I feel like it's these young kids putting themselves on the map and making a name for themselves. So I have so much respect for that. Nice. Um, So Halloween was a few weeks ago. Do you have any favorite Wisconsin paranormal stories that would spook our listeners or (laughs) inspire them to want to learn more about Wisconsin paranormal scene. Absolutely. The first story that 
always comes to mind, the Summerwind Mansion, it's about as north as you can get in Wisconsin. One of the scariest haunted house stories I've ever heard, like across the board of like globally. It was, I won't get into too much detail about it, but essentially like so haunted that like a body was once found in it that disappeared when they came back for it. Room sizes like the dimensions of rooms would change shape uh and at one point one of the residents even saw a ghost that supposedly shot a gun at him and then found like bullet holes in the the wall that would have been by him i don't know um like i said i don't want to give too much detail on the story but it's very very spooky And then uh, one of the other ones I always bring up, Whitewater, um, and how it's considered the second Salem of the United States. And there's so many stories of spiritualism and witch practice and just haunted spooky tales to come out of it. It's like the whole town feels cursed to me. So yeah, there's just a plethora of stories there. So I think it really gets swept under the rug. And if you're looking to, to dip a toe into like Wisconsin paranormal, just type in the words, Whitewater, Wisconsin, haunted. And you've got plenty of reading nice. material. Well, that's healthy spending my night after this. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, Taylor, after we scream about the haunted houses, I want to know what is the song that makes you scream, this is the greatest song I've ever heard in my entire life. So the song I picked is Idol Worship by Paramore. And I might be cheating a little bit, but I'm tacking on the song that comes right after that, too. It goes from Idol Worship into No Friend, which essentially serves as an outro for it. So I don't think I'm cheating too much, but we're including both. No, that totally cool song i don't think we've had a paramore pick yet but they're a huge cultural influence and certainly this album i feel like had its singles at least like that kind of came on my radar but what made you pick idol worship it feels a little bit like a response to some of their like fans and that sort of thing do you do you kind of interpret it that way absolutely so after laughter i think for me personally i would put it in top five albums of all time i think it's an absolutely stunning body of work. It's like the antithesis of pop, but with such a pop sound. And I think Idol Worship really dives into those themes of having this fun, vibrant, dancey sound while lyrically, it's very intense. It's by no means a superficial uh, topic. Yeah. It's it's very much Paramore diving into the fan versus creator perspective. And it's like a song all about setting boundaries is the best way to put it. And it really nails the head on the coffin. Yeah. And this was released, what, 2017? And it's no less true or needed today (laughs) in today's world. This post-pandemic, like, parasocial thing that we have with all these artists. Mm -hmm. This is a song that could be blasted at all of those people (laughs) to try and, like, help yeah how their idols want to be seen which is you know i'm just a human like you and said in a really like interesting way i think absolutely i think it was such a conversation that needed to be had especially at that point because you think of like 
fandoms and everything else I've been involved in them myself like I, you right. know you find yourself getting really into these bands and putting expectations on them that they just shouldn't have you know at the end of the day these are just people making music you know they're really no different than you and I and I've learned a lot about that yeah. working now in the music industry but I think even at a base level idol worship for me when I discovered it, I had been going through, you know, a rough breakup. And then I was towards the end of my collegiate career. And I feel like even at a base level, the song is very much about putting so much expectation on people to be someone they're not. And that resonated with me then. But now being a content creator myself, it hits even harder because yeah. you learn about these parasocial relationships and setting boundaries. So Yeah. I'm curious also to know more about your history with Paramore as a band. They sort of also fit into that MySpace era to a certain extent. Uh, were, you, were you always a fan of them? Oh, yeah. Always a fan. I received Riot on CD when I was in like sixth grade, I believe. So they've always been on my radar. I have always just admired Haley Williams so much, oh, totally. whether it be with Paramore or her solo work. And that love for them has just continued to grow. And then, like I said, when their self-titled came out, that was a big deal for yeah, me. Yeah, me too. Yeah, right? When I uh, graduated high school, I believe that came out. And then After Laughter was like, that was endgame for me. I was like, this, like I said, this is one of the best albums I've ever heard. So always been a big fan. Nice. We should talk about how the next song is an outro. Can you talk a little bit more about the relationship between those? Idol worship, like I said, sort of the antithesis to like a traditional pop song, but you still have that like backing music of like, ooh, it's fun. It's dancey. Like you can still kind of groove to it. But then it shifts directly into No Friend, which is a spoken word piece done by Aaron Weiss. The lyrical content gets very heavy in like an unsuspecting way. Like you wouldn't listen to it and like cry about it, but it's just like, oh wow, this is really going into just how much of an impact parasocial relationships can have on an artist. And hearing it from an artist other than Paramore on this album, I think, you know, sends it home even more. The instrumentals behind it, I've seen some people describe as almost kind of like what it feels to have a panic attack. Oh, yeah. And then just some of the lyrics become very intense. Like there's one specific line, if you guys don't mind me reading it. Oh, no, but of course. It goes into this crescendo. And finally, there's this line that says, I see myself in the reflection of people's eyes, realizing that what they see may not even be close to the image I see in myself. And I think I might actually be more afraid to let my own self down than anything else. And it's like, you're building up between idol worship and no friend, this concept of these parasocial relationships, only for it to come back down and realize how much stress that's putting on the artist yeah. itself. It's just so beautifully done. Like I love a spoken word piece and having that included in this album, just, it was just so good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's what I was interested in too, is like, we talk a lot about, okay, there's, 20 songs that any of us could probably say this is the greatest song I've ever heard in my entire life. It's like, is there a reason you picked this song compared to any other Paramore song or Jimmy Eat World song like you were saying before, anything like that? I'm just curious about the pick and the rationale there. 
Yeah, you know, it's interesting because I feel like I would be a fool not to mention this song, but like when I say Jimmy Eat World is my favorite band, that is like, that is my ride or die band. Yeah. And I think a lot of people will be shocked that I didn't bring them up to begin with, primarily because my pick for them would have been songs like A Praise Chorus or Sweetness, uh, which is so, so, um, they're just positive songs mm -hmm. that that get you so elevated. But one of the reasons I picked Idol Worship into No Friend is because since I've heard it, I've always been able to relate it to something. And I love that it still has those pop elements. So I can listen to it when I'm in a perfectly fine mood, but I can also listen to it when I'm struggling. And I think that's just a testament to how good their songwriting is. Another reason, a much more like superficial and silly reason I had to pick this is because like I was obsessed with this song when it came out to the point that I had a friend that called me one day, like a month after the album came out and they said, Taylor, I need to ask you a question. And I go, what's up? And they go, are you okay? <laughs> and I go, yeah, wh why do you ask? And they go, I've been monitoring your Spotify listens and you have not <laughs> listened to another song for 30 <laughs> days. You have listened to this song. So I don't know. There's just, there's something pumped in it that just gets me really stoked. Yeah. So yeah. <laughs> Like I said, as much as I wanted to pick a Jimmy Eat World song and it like breaks my heart that I didn't, I, I got to talk about yeah, it, so it's fine. Yeah, a yeah. Of both. <laughs> like I said, just with how dynamic it is, I think it's just, it's such an important and underrated song from their discography. I had to talk about yeah, it. Yeah, that's awesome. Nice. Well, thank you so much for coming and talking about both of these songs and Paramore and Ghosts and so many other things. If people would like to follow you online, where should they go and do that? Yeah, so TikTok is going to be Gothsconson. It's, you know, goth sconson, pretty <laughs> yep, self-explanatory. Yep. That's also my uh, my Twitter handle. And then my Instagram, a little different. It's corn salsa and corn is spelled with a K. As so good. It's an homage to my love for new metal. So <laughs> that's really cool. Very nice. <laughs> thank you. Well, yeah, thanks again for coming. And uh, hopefully we'll talk more soon. Of course. Thank you again for having me. All right, Catherine. Well, what do you think about uh, Paramore and Idol Worship? Yeah, I like this song. I haven't spent a ton of time with that record since it came out. So it's really cool to listen to that song and revisit the album a bit. Yeah. And I think it's such a great pick. I'm really glad we got to talk about it. What did you think? Yeah, I, I agree. I, you know, like I sort of mentioned, I was really big into the self-titled. That was like sort of actually when I got mm -hmm. into Paramore. And I do like this record and I need to spend more time with it. The other thing that we didn't mention in our interview with Taylor that I just wanted to note is that, so it's called Idol Worship, but it's I-D-L-E instead of I-D-O-L, yeah. which is just like that kind of play on words of like, I don't know, instead of like idol, you know, you're almost like accusing the fans of just like being idle and passive and whatever. And, yeah, passive. Know. So I yeah. thought that was like, it's just like a cute little play on words. They but. love to spell words in different ways, like their own band name, you or, know, right, spelling true, in a different yeah. way. Like they just, they like to flip things on their heads like that. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. All right. Well, let us know out there what you think of Idol Worship and Paramore. And be sure to check out Taylor's Midwest content, Goths Constant and uh, Corn Salsa on Instagram. 
Uh, you could follow and get in touch with us on social media at Great Song Pod, GR number eight, Song Pod, or email us at greatsongpod at gmail.com. Again, that's GR number eight, Song Pod at gmail.com. And make sure you subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. Think about leaving us a rating or reviewing to help other people find the show and uh, tell a friend. Yeah. Well, Catherine, thank you so much for helping me produce the show. I want to give a special shout out to Izzy for help with mixing, to Roger for our podcast art, to Skylar Spence, whose song Kratos and Love is our theme music, and of course, to you, the listener, for listening. Thanks so much, and uh, we'll talk to you soon.